2021 is here. Hallelujah, right? Okay, good news for that. It's Epiphany Sunday. This is the time when we remember another part of the great Christmas story, the arrival of the wise men to Bethlehem, and we'll be reflecting on that in a little bit. Just want to call to your attention a few um, announcements. First of all, of course, we remind you to wear your mask, keep them over your nose and your mouth so that we can uh, make sure that we are taking care of each other through the, uh, hopefully, toward the end of this COVID season, and we're looking forward to each of us getting our vaccines and on our way. Uh, we uh, invite you to always uh, uh, enjoy our daily devotions, which have been um, a rerun over the past couple of weeks, but we'll begin our new series of devotions starting on January the 11th, and we'll be reading through the Gospel of Luke, and we invite you to do the same with us. Our small groups will continue to meet, and they will start up again on uh, the week of January the 10th, and we invite you to get a hold of the copy of Good News for Anxious Christians. Uh, it sells for $13 over in the office, or you can get it online. We would love for you to join us in reading this really provocative book and uh, thinking about how it is that we can align ourselves more around uh, the primary themes of Scripture. So we invite you to get that and join a small group. Uh, this Wednesday, we will be uh, back to God in Hollywood, and we invite you to join us for that. We're going to be looking again at uh, movies, previous movies during the week, and uh, we're going to be looking at the great saints of the 20th century, starting with Mother Teresa this week. Uh, so we invite you to go to find that movie on Mother Teresa, put out in 2003, and we will be uh, re talking about that on Zoom on Wednesday at 6.30. So we invite you to get that and join us in that discussion. We are in a new fruit of the Spirit. Kindness is the fruit of the Spirit for this month. From Colossians 3, verse 12, we have our memory verse. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly beloved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. So we invite you to put that uh, memory verse in your brain and allow it to be a guide for you over the course of this week. We will be having communion this Sunday, and uh, as it is always the case for our first Sundays of the month. And if you didn't pick up a communion bag with the communion elements in it, we invite you to get that sometime between now and when we receive communion after the message. Our third grade Bible presentation will be next week, so if there's a third grader in your life, a grandchild or a child, we invite you to make sure they are here next Sunday as we uh, begin a new series for our third graders, Get to Know Your Bible. As I go through these last couple of announcements, I'd like to invite the band to come forward. We will have no sermon discussion uh, for the next two Mondays because we'll be having guest preachers, but we'll resume on January the 18th. We would love your help in undecorating, since we are near the end of the Christmas season. Uh, we could use many hands to make light work. So after the service, if you have time to stay afterwards, we will be putting away the trees and so on and so forth. I know, sad. I had to take my tree down yesterday. Sad, but that's okay. Um, <clears throat> and then lastly, I just want to uh, introduce to you a good, good friend of mine, Alan Walworth, who's standing, sitting right over there. Wave your hand, Alan. Alan is going to be our guest preacher today. Alan is really no stranger to the Church of the Palms. He's been with us before. Uh, he's preached several times from our pulpits, and we are blessed to have him. He's been a good friend for 25 years or so. Uh, we have worked together on a variety of projects and, and generosity, 
and he has been a great uh, mentor of mine and a great help for me to think about how best to lead a congregation. So, and he's also a really, really good preacher. So we're glad that he's with us today and he'll be with our staff tomorrow helping us to think through some things. So let's worship God.
Happy New Year. Happy New Year. So we are at that point in our service where we have the opportunity to worship God with our gifts and our offering. As we know, there are many ways to give online, and of course you can give in the baskets as you leave or send in a check, and it is really amazing the way you have partnered with God and with this church family to do great things in the world. So we thank you for that. And now we get a chance again to offer up our prayers for one another, for ourselves, for our world. And I know that Susan has a mic, and I think Bill's got a mic, and they will wipe it off if you want to say a prayer out loud. And we also have the prayer cards in the back that you could write down, and we'll pray for you during the week. So how can we be praying on this day? Raising your hand, Blake. Just doing that. Nice. Okay. Steve over here. Oh, he has a mic. All right. There we go. All right. I want to keep in our prayers the Melberth family who are making their way up or maybe already have made their way up to Memphis, Tennessee, to St. Jude's Hospital. Their little daughter, Ava, who's five years old, will be going under seven months of chemotherapy up at St. Jude's Hospital. So keep uh, all that family in your prayers over the course of these next several months. Mm, Thank you, yikes. Not only um, that little girl, but all the people we know who are battling cancer, um, we'll keep them all in our prayers. Thank you for that. How else can we be praying? Olivia. Ben Kirsch's grandpa came home from the hospital, and he's on his way to recovery slowly. So, Thank you so much. So we had COVID and fought a pretty big battle with that. Um, what a great praise report. Thank you. Nice. 
How else can we be praying for each other? Yeah, Sue. I have a thankful prayer for this church because I think through this last year, they have been remarkable. So I want to say thank you in prayer to the staff, to the other members of the church, and all my friends here. Couldn't have done it without you, gang. Oh, it's so great. Thank you, right? It's just this faith family that keeps us going when the times are tough, and we do it together. So thank you for lifting that up. Anything else? That's great. So during our prayer today, there will be an opportunity that I'm going to pause again so we can confess to God. I think it's such a great practice that we can confess our sins to God silently. Don't have to say it out loud so that God can forgive us so that we can start fresh again each and every day. Let's pray together. Gracious and loving God, we are so grateful for this new year we are grateful for this faith family, for the people who walk alongside of us through the valleys, and for those who celebrate with us on the mountaintops. We lift up, Lord, those who are suffering from cancer, from illness, from COVID, from all sorts of things that harm us in our minds and our bodies and our spirits. We give them, Lord, to your good care, and we pray, Lord, that you would use each one of us to be your agent of peace and healing where we can. We pause now, gracious God, to give to you those things that we have done and those things that we have left undone that harm our relationship to you. So hear our confession. Forgive us, gracious and merciful God. Help us to follow you the way the Magi followed that bright star as we are walking towards you, always having you with us, before us, behind us, and among us. May we be aware of your presence. In Christ's name we pray, amen. And the good news, of course, is that Jesus does forgive all of our sins and that we are free then to serve, the God, serve our God with all sorts of creativity and imagination. May it be so. I'd like to invite Alan to come forth to read our scripture passage and to preach for us. Nice. Thank you, Laurie. Good morning. So good to see all of you. I, uh, I'm thinking you probably made a New Year's resolution to go to church more. You finally get here or you drug your husband here and you, now you find out it's not even a real preacher preaching. Yeah, hang in here. It's going to get better, I promise you. But I'm glad you're here. And to be in Sarasota. I live in Naples, which is a place that envies Sarasota most of the time because every time there's one of those top ten lists, like, Ten happiest cities in the country. Who's number one? Sarasota. So are you happy this morning? All right. You better be because if you ain't happy, nobody happy. So we, in fact, I feel better just kind of being here in Sarasota. Or top ten cities to retire in. 
Sarasota, not Naples, it's Sarasota. So you're feeling smug about how smart you are, right? But anyway, so unless these surveys are put out by the Sarasota Chamber of Commerce, this must be a really great place to be. Last week, I read the top 10 beaches in Florida, Siesta Key, number one. Come on, you've got it all. What a great place to be and glad that you are here. How was your Christmas? Mm-hmm, okay, all right. Uh, some of you probably, like Pastor Steve, have already taken down your Christmas tree, right? Some of you are so glad that 24-hour Christmas station is finally playing something else. Some of you are glad to have all that passed, and so it may seem a little strange that we're still here kind of singing and talking about Christmas stuff. But the truth is, today is Epiphany, uh, which is this day that celebrates how God reveals God's self to the whole world. And if you'd grown up in the Orthodox tradition, this would be a bigger day for you than even Christmas. This exchanging of gifts came from the Magi, Uh, And so Christmas sort of ends, I guess you could say, with this day. And the fact that we have stars on top of these trees is sort of coming from our text today. So uh, let's get back to Christmas for a moment. But this is the way Matthew tells it. The Gospel of Luke is our favorite. Shepherds and Mary, Joseph, Jesus, and manger. And it's this rural, uh, sweet, kind of poor couple. Matthew's story is kind of very different. It's later. It's about wealthy and powerful people and, uh, from other countries, and it's about, uh, it's about cities. It's a very different, it may actually seem more familiar to you than the Lucan one when you think about your world. But here's the text in Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. Listen for the word of the Lord. In the time of King Herod, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, wise men came from the east to Jerusalem asking, Where is the child who has been born king of the Jews? For we observed his star at its rising and have come to pay him homage. Now when King Herod heard this, he was frightened and all Jerusalem with him. And calling together all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. And they told him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it has been written by the prophet. And you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who is to shepherd my people Israel. So then Herod secretly called for the wise men and learned from them the exact time when the star had appeared. Then he sent them on to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you found him, bring me word, so that I may also go and pay him homage. When they had heard the king, they set out. And there ahead of them went the star that they'd seen at its rising until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw that the star had stopped, they were overwhelmed with joy. On entering the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother, and they knelt down and paid him homage. They worshipped him. Then opening their treasure chests, they offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to return to Herod, They left for their own country by another road. This, my friends, is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So, these magi. You know the song, We Three Kings of Orient Are, wonderful song, maybe one of your favorite Christmas carols, written by an Episcopal priest who's the son of a preacher, so he's probably spent a lot of time in church. And so it's a wonderful kind of song about these We Three Kings from the Orient. You're probably hearing the tune in your head as we go. Uh, but actually, with all due respect to that wonderful carol, which I enjoy as well, we, there's a lot of things we don't know. Like for one thing, we don't know that there were three of them. 
We know there are three gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh, but it might have been two of them offering three gifts, or 12 of them offering three gifts. We don't know how many magi there were, just that there were three gifts. So I don't know if it was three. They weren't kings. We three kings. Uh, that comes from other allusions, even in Scripture, but it doesn't say in the Bible they were kings. They were magi. That is, we get our word magician from this. Probably the closest to, for us would be astrologer, someone whose job was to try to divine the signs, primarily in the heavens, to figure out and predict what was coming up next. And these were people, it was a good gig if you could get it. How many, how many of you listened to the weather? trying to get a feel for what might be coming up. But by the way, a five-day forecast is only about 5% accurate. So I don't know why we give such credence to it, but we love someone who might can tell us, why, wouldn't you love to have some prediction that you could count on about how the stocks were going to do even tomorrow, much less for the year? There's all kind of people who get a lot of money for doing it. My, mother, my grandmother was great at predicting the gender of an expectant woman's child. And she was uncanny accurate, about 50% accurate she could get it. But... Everyone came to her all the time to try to get a heads up if we're always we painting the nursery pink or blue. But there's something about someone who can predict the future. We think that's just wonderful. Well, the Magi, that was their job, and they were paid for it pretty good. So these are wealthy people. Uh, they're not from the Orient, despite the, right, the wonderful carol. They're from probably modern-day Iran, Iraq, Persia in that day. So they're not from the Orient. So we three kings of Orient are, would more accurately biblically be, we persons of uncertain number or gender even uh, have come from somewhere east of Jerusalem. But that's not a good title for a Christmas carol, so we stick with We Three Kings. But the actual text has these magi. What are they doing? They're following a star. Because here's what Matthew wants to tell us. God has hidden the magnificent gift that God wants to give in plain sight. You don't have to be a biblical scholar. You don't have to be all kind of righteous. You don't have to be born in Judea. You don't have to live in Bethlehem. God put the star where anybody and everybody could see it. It's like diamonds in the, in the middle of the costume jewelry. It's treasure hidden on top of the ground, or in this case, scattered through the sky. It's a star. Now, there's a lot of astronomy kind of interest. What kind of star was that? How many of you went out on the last winter solstice two weeks ago to see Jupiter and Saturn align? That happens about every 800 years, and maybe that happened sometime about then. With, you know, I don't know. Could it have been a Halley's Comet or, you know, I don't know. Truth is, none of those really satisfy because this particular star would move and then stop and then move again, and, you know, so this is an unusual star that no astronomy that we really know of could really fit. The point is not astronomy or even astrology. The point is God trying to say this message and this gospel is absolutely for everybody. Everybody. You cannot be so far away, you cannot be so last, least, or lost that God's desire to love you and to draw you to God doesn't include you. It's for everybody. That's what Matthew's trying to tell us. The star, it's a star. But of course, everybody seems to miss it except for these magi. And before we sort of get down on them, the truth is, don't we sometimes miss the most obvious gifts and treasures right around us? How many times has someone come into your home and bragged on whoever cooks in your home and said, what wonderful, and then you say, oh yeah, this is good, I just haven't said so since we were married, you know, but, or they come and they tell you how wonderful and well-behaved your children are, but you hadn't said that to them since they were three, and you know it's true, but you, or you try to sell your house and you get it all fixed up, and you pay for a realtor, and you, you brag about it to whoever's looking to buy it, and by the time you've done that three times, you want to buy the house back yourself because you realize, I love this place. What am I thinking? So many times there's a burning bush of revelation right in front of us, and we just miss it. Sometimes it takes 
kind of a world timeout like we just are going through to make us appreciate the simplest, most beautiful gifts of life or taking a breath. So everybody missed the star, it seemed, even though everybody was supposed to see it. But God bless them, the Magi looked up. And then not only did they see it, they did something about it. They actually said, let's go. Let's follow the thing. Now stars, you know, the planets, the word planet in Greek is this planao, means deceptive star. That's why they named the planets by the Roman gods, Pluto and Mercury and Venus and Jupiter, because they thought these were the gods who were riding on these chariots, because these stars, these planets, the ancients looked up and said, they're never in the same place. You can't, you can't guide your ship at night by these. These stars are unpredictable. They are planet, planaos, deceptive. But the real stars you could count on, and yet this one moved. Stars are fascinating for us. We have superstars and movie stars. There's the walk of stars, you know, walk of fame there in Hollywood. We have sports stars. We think stars are so important. Imagine I thought this star was telling something. Somehow they thought it said something about a king. And so they go to Jerusalem, you know, because they think that's where the king would be. And who do they find? It's Herod. Now, what do we know about Herod? Herod is called Herod the Great. The only person who called Herod great was his own PR department because he was nothing, anything like great. He was Herod the Horrible because uh, he built great buildings. That's true. But he was a half-born Jewish and half-Edomite, so he always felt like he wasn't really going to belong to the Jews of whom he was the king, only a king as a puppet king because back in Rome, when he went kind of traveling in college, he made friends of Augustus Caesar, so he only gets to be king because Caesar is Caesar, and the people of the Jews do not like him at all. He keeps trying to buy their favor, and when that doesn't work, he tries to intimidate them. But Herod, like many tyrants, is very insecure, very paranoid. He, the crown always fits uneasy on his head, and he's always worrying about who's going to come try to take his power away. The tighter he grips it, the more paranoid he gets. He even killed some of his own children because looking at them, he couldn't stand the thought that one day they were going to come take his crown after he died. He was so insidious that he actually gave his final order was to kill the firstborn of every family in Judea upon his death, so at least they would be weeping throughout the land at his funeral. And at least, fortunately, they did not carry out that last order when he died. So we're not surprised when we know in this story that he kills all the babies two years old and under in Bethlehem. That'd be exactly like Herod to do that. But if, you know, frankly, this is what happens when tyrants have power. Tyrants don't want to give up power. Remember Saddam Hussein? You remember Adolf Hitler? You may be able to think of others where they don't want to give up their power. No matter what, they just can't stand it. And that's Herod. It'd be like Steve hearing that the PNC that brought him here years ago was still meeting secretly on Thursdays looking for the next pastor. That would, it'd be unsettling, right? Or you're an only child and your parents are talking about adopting? Oh, that doesn't feel good. I mean, so when they come to him saying, where's the one born king of the Jews? Herod's looking in the mirror saying, wait a minute. I'm the king of the Jews. What do you mean? So he decides, we've got to figure this out. Got to kill this baby. Who would want to kill a baby? Is there any worse nightmare for Mary and Joseph? But the first Christmas was a Christmas that came into a world where tyrants ran things where big, powerful, wealthy people pushed everyone else around, where taxes had gone amok, where there was terror, and where there was bloodshed, and there was war. 
Does that sound familiar? That's the way Christmas came and still comes. So the Magi show up. They do end up because a star leads them on, and they're overwhelmed with the joy when they do, in fact, come into the house. And you notice it's a house. It's not a barn. It's not a stable. Because now it's gone from being a neighborhood stable. Now they're living in a stable neighborhood because now it's in a house because they've gotten there late. I heard a, it was actually a female pastor, but she said once that you can tell that the Magi were men, even though it doesn't say, because had there been a woman in the group, they, A, they would have stopped to ask directions earlier, B, they would have shown up on time, and C, they would have brought gifts more appropriate for a baby. Till they never went to a baby shower, gold, frankincense, and myrrh, they should have brought diapers and baby wipes, but no, they bring gifts as best they know. They're a bunch of men. And so they, they come kind of late to Christmas, after everybody else has taken on the decorations. They come late, but they do come. They get there. And when they see the child, he doesn't have a halo. There's not a little drummer boy there. You know, but they see the child, and somehow they know this is the point of their whole journey. And they fall down and worship. And then when they worship, the more they reflect on God's gift, the more they begin to be generous. And they open up their treasure chest, and they give the gifts of royalty. You gave gifts or received gifts a couple weeks ago. What is the perfect gift? The perfect gift is the gift that when you give it, the person who receives it says, oh, it's just what I needed. And then they say, and it's just like you to give it. So do these wise guys, these magi, do they have the perfect gift that day for Jesus? Gold, I mean, that's a... Everybody wants a little gold, especially if when the market goes down. I mean, gold. Uh, or frankincense, this wonderful aromatic kind of herb. They used it in priestly sacrifices. It kind of represented prayer. Or myrrh, which is another really wonderful smelling kind of powerful resin. Uh, but actually, it was mainly used at funerals. It's kind of like giving a bottle of formaldehyde at a baby shower, you know. So it's like, what, a funeral? It doesn't make sense. But it was powerful and it was wealthy, and these were things that you could trade on the open market. They all had a commoditized kind of value. They were like stocks. Not a very perfect gift, you'd think. And yet, when God warns Joseph in a dream and says, you need to get out of town because Herod is on a rampage, and he's about to go kill anybody that looks anything close to the age of your baby. And they flee to Egypt, middle of the night, exiles, like 450,000 people in the world today, exiled because of war in their home country. They're exiles, down in Egypt now, so, as if it couldn't have gotten any worse for this young couple. Now they're, <laughs> How do they survive? How could they make do? How could they live all that time? Well, they have some gold, frankincense, and myrrh that they can trade with. So you know what? It was the perfect gift. And this is what happens when you give something to God. God will use it in more ways than you could even imagine. He will make even an imperfect gift just seem perfect, which is why you let it go with a grateful and open heart. These magi, God bless them, they gave the best they had because Jesus is a king, because Jesus does take our prayers to God, yes, like frankincense. And because, quite frankly, Jesus was the perfect gift he would even come to die, wouldn't he? Because the smell of that myrrh, that aroma is going to permeate back toward the end of this gospel again. But it's just the gift we needed. And it's just like God to give it, right?
I love about the Magi that they do something that I hope that I'll do this year. They notice what God's up to, and they get up and get into it with Him. And because God is so generous, they decide to be generous too. That's the mark of someone who's shown up and seen the Christ. And I want to be one of those people this year. How about you? I was working with a church in Destin, Florida, which is so far north from here it shouldn't even be called Florida, but anyway, it is still Florida. Uh, and I was working with a church there, much like we were working here a few years ago. They were building like a Palm Center, except they didn't call it that. I guess they call it the destination or something. Anyway, but uh, anyway, they were building a gym. And I was working with them in this project, but I'll never forget a story that one of the guys told me when I was there. Uh, he said, I work, I, you know, I, I'm in a men's Bible study, and my job in the men's Bible study is to pick up the donuts before our men's Bible study. Because if you don't know this, you can't get men to study the Bible unless you ply them with donuts. So his job was to bring the donuts in order to lure the men to the Bible study. That was his job every Sunday morning. And so he went to get the donuts from this little uh, donut kind of shop owned by a, 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 just a little personal family, uh, family that owned it. Uh, and he went by, and uh, one day he went by on a Sunday, and it was a different person. It was just kind of a young teenage girl. You could tell English wasn't her second language. She was struggling with that. She was struggling with the order, and she got the donut order wrong. I mean, she messed up the donut order. And he just berated her. I mean, just, he was just sort of frustrated. Why can't you, what's wrong with you people? And why can't you learn English? And can't you, something as simple as a donut order? He just let her have it. Let's let her have it. Uh, so fire and brimstone everywhere, you know, and as he drives off, you know, he's got this little sticker on the bottom of his car that says, follow me to Destin United Methodist Church, you know, but uh, she's crying, and only as he pulled off did he realize she's got kind of this baby. I don't know if she's nursing the baby, but she's a teenage mom, and it's a little baby in there with her, and anyway, he goes, and they're studying this text when they go to Bible study. So he's sitting there munching on a wrong-flavored donut, and suddenly he starts thinking about this story about a young teenage girl with a baby who's out of her setting and, and God sends just the right people to be generous. And as the Bible sometimes does, like a Trojan horse, it opened up on him and he realized, uh-oh. <laughs> and so he told the guys what he'd done. He said, guys, I've really messed up. And he told them what he'd done to the girl. He said, next Sunday... My guess is she didn't have a baby shower. Next Sunday, I'm going to go by and give her a baby gift. If you guys want to join me, you can, but that's what I'm going to do. Next Sunday, 47 cars from that Bible study pull one after another into that little driveway and filled up her little booth with baby gifts. And now she's weeping, but now not out of shame and anger, but out of incredible surprise joy. And every one of those bumper stickers said, follow me to Destin United Methodist Church. And you know what? She did. Because generosity is the new evangelism. It's the thing the world cannot understand but cannot ignore. And the only reason it happens is because people have become aware that they've received the perfect gift. The world is never going to see Jesus in us until we see Jesus in them. Let's pray. O oh Lord, help us to do unto the least of these whatever the treasures we might have, gold, frankincense, and myrrh, maybe, some other kind of currency, maybe the currency of our time, 
talent or influence or relationships. Help us to follow a star that moves until it leads us to a place of overwhelming joy and causes us to open up the treasure and give it away. For your sake, for the world's sake, for our sake, we pray. Amen. Friends, now is the time to grab your little baggie and take out of it the communion elements that are going to be received in a moment. And again, we remind you that the little wafer is at the bottom of the chalice, and that's what you would peel back first when it comes time for that. And then, of course, on the top of the chalice is the seal for the juice that we'll share together. And we will be communing both of the elements together at the same time. Afterwards, we invite you to put it back in the bag and either take it with you or leave it uh, in the receptacle on the way out. Friends, the perfect gift, the gift of his body and his blood, the gift that we all need from the kind of God who chooses to give it. So you are invited today to come to this table and find here this great feast, this feast of God's love, this feast of God's kindness and generosity, this feast of God's grace. And know that you are welcomed into God's family and that God seeks to share with the world that which he shares with us today. And it would be through our own generosity that we would be able to shine that light into other people's lives that they too might know of this great feast. So come and receive these great gifts of mercy, of gifts of mercy, and these this great food of forgiveness. Hear the words, of the institution of the Holy Supper of our Lord Jesus Christ, as they are delivered by the Apostle Paul. I received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you, that the same night in which he was betrayed, our Lord took bread, and after he had given thanks, he broke it, and he said, "Take and eat." For this is my body broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And after supper, Jesus took the cup. And he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you remember the Lord's death until he comes again. And he will come again. Let us pray. By your grace, O oh Lord, we give you thanks that you have been kind enough to welcome us at your table. And we thank you, O oh Lord, that these simple gifts may become for us the feast of heaven and that we may know of your great gift to us in Jesus Christ, your great love for us in his sacrifice on the cross, and your great hope for us in the new life that we find in him. O oh Lord, may your spirit be present. May we know of your love and grace so intimately that it would not only stay with us, but that it would permeate through us into a world that longs to hear of the one born in Bethlehem. All this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Receive the bread and cup.
God of abundance, with this bread of life and cup of salvation, you have united us with Christ, making us one with all your people. Now as we have been nourished and strengthened, send us forth in the power of your Spirit, that we may use our gifts to share your love with generous and kind hearts to everyone that we meet. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. And now may the beauty of God be reflected in your eyes, the love of God reflected in your hands, the wisdom of God reflected in your words, and the knowledge of God flow through your hearts so that all might see and believe. And all God's children said, Amen. Amen.